Thanks for listening to the Northridge Christian Podcast. At Northridge, we exist to help people move closer to Christ. We believe that following Jesus is a journey, and we want to help you through that journey any way we can. We pray that you grow in your walk with God through this message today. So prepare your heart and mind for this teaching by our group's pastor, John Shaw. Good morning, Northridge. Man, you are mostly awake. Man, it is good to be here today. I am excited to be here today and wrapping up our sermon series on finding your way back to God. If you've been joining us, you would know this, but if you haven't joined us, we are walking through a book by John and David Ferguson called Finding Your Way Back to God and is basically walking through five awakenings that we find through Jesus' most famous story, the story of the prodigal son. Um, If you don't know what the story of the prodigal son is, basically it's this boy who uh, decides to spit on his father's future grave and say, I want my inheritance now. Takes his money, runs, spends it foolishly, loses everything, winds up with nothing. Uh, Two weeks ago, you would have heard Jonathan say that he came to his senses. I I love that phrase, came to his senses. Decided to go back home and grovel at his father's feet, and he was shown extravagant grace. I love, I love that. But this week, this week, we get to experience the best one of them all. Because this is a part of a three-part story. There's a lost sheep, there's a lost coin, and a lost son. And something happens at the end of all three stories. When the lost sheep is found, when the coin is found, and when the son is found, what happens? Nobody? What happens? They celebrate, right? They have a party. Like, that is excitement. When you have been found by Jesus, when you have come back, you've been brought back to life, you celebrate, you party, right? And you have every right to do because you were lost and now you are found. You have been given an opportunity to reconcile with your past. You have a hope for your future, a purpose for living. Like, that's excitement, right? As Paul puts it, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old has gone, and the new is here so we party right all series long we've been walking through these different prayers that we want you to pray Uh, i just want you to listen to this one god if you are real make yourself real to me awaken in me the confidence that i can live a brand new life and i just want you to kind of soak in this prayer all morning Because whether you are in this room for the first time, entering your first time into a church, and you have no idea anything about the Bible, except for there's some guy behind the goalpost at a football game that says John 3.16. Or if you're in this room and you've been in church your entire life, you have John 3.16 memorized. You can sing the books of the Bible song, right? You know it all. All of us are wondering, what is this new life that God is promising us? right? Some of us, some of us have been saved, and we remember that fresh come to Jesus moment, right? It's just amazing, and then we kind of lost it. I'm wondering, can we get that back? Is that something that's even possible? But I believe no matter where you are in your spiritual journey today, God is calling you to a party. He is calling you to a celebration. He's calling you to life, And, and not just any life. He's calling you to a full life, like, that's what, that's what our sermon and sentence is today, that Christ came so that you may have life to the full. You, you know that's why he came, right? He said to so himself, John 10.10, uh, 10, he said, the thief comes to 
steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life to the full. Life to the full. I love this word full. In Greek, it's parisos, and it's such a full word. It, it, it means abundant, excessive, overflowing. I love the full definition best because I think it keeps us away from the heresy uh, that God is calling us to a rich life or a healthy life. Just a, a spoiler, if you were to ask a believer in the 200 years after Jesus, if Jesus was promising them health and wealth, they would have laughed in your face. There's no way that's what Jesus was talking about. This is, this is an abundant life. This is a life of, wow, with the Father. A life of, this is amazing that I can have joy in the midst of suffering. That's what a full parisos life means. And we all hear this, and we say, that's what I want, right? Like, I want that abundant, full life. And yet we settle for something else, don't we? We allow the thief to come steal, kill, and destroy. And why? Why? Is it because of our pride? Is it because we get bored? Is, is it because we're too fearful, distracted to even notice? This is exactly what happened to the son at the beginning of the story. He thinks that he's missing out on life. He thinks he doesn't have enough stuff. He doesn't have enough money. He doesn't have enough friends or power or position or who knows what. And so he takes his money and he runs and he winds up with nothing. No friends. No power. No food. No family. He winds up with nothing. But what he found was something even more incredible. He found that there is no life apart from the Father. That there is no life apart from the Father. And there are three things that I think the Son learned in his return to awakened life. And I think they're things that many of us in this room have, have come to discover. But someone who's been awoken to life, somebody who's discovered this parisos life, uh, the first one is they look at life differently. They look at life differently. Because I believe that God would like for you to know and understand that God loves you and cares about you completely no matter what you've done. This is what Adam talked about last week. This is something that I tell my kids every night. I pray over them that they understand that no matter what they do, my love will never be removed from them. That there will be consequences. Yeah, you're gonna get that spanking. But I am gonna love you like crazy. My love will never be removed from you and neither will God's. And that is such an important thing for us to do. And when we realize that, when the son realized that about his father, can you imagine how he looked at life differently, right? I doubt he ever looked on a hungry man or woman the same way. I doubt he listened to somebody's story of shame or regret or mistakes with the same judgment as he did before. I bet he looked at the world with a wow that he didn't before. So if you're taking notes, these are some subpoints I want you to think about while we're talking about looking at life differently. When we experience God's love, we become more grateful, we become less judgmental. Did you know that gratefulness is like one of the healthiest emotions you can have? Study after study prove this, that when you are grateful, it releases dopamine, 
serotonin, and oxytocin into your brain. These are the hormones, the chemicals that make you feel joy, happiness. Uh, they make you smarter. Uh, they make you uh, have more endurance. They, they, they give you all these feelings and emotions in you that, that are so much better for you. It's the same uh, chemicals that are released when a husband and wife enjoy one another's company. It's the, the same uh, chemicals that are released when a mother nurses her baby. Like, you want this drug. Like, this is a good drug. Gratitude literally rewires your brain. There's a study that said that if you try to sit down and think, just try to think about 10 things that you're grateful for, it rewires your brain. Even if you can't think of anything, even if you can't think of 10 things that you're grateful for, just the fact that you're sitting down trying to do it rewires your brain. Like, that's incredible, right? Philippians 2.14 says, do everything without grumbling or complaining. Like, that's, that's the opposite of gratitude. Let me, let me ask you this. What do you complain about? Just joking. Don't tell me. We're, we're all going to get in trouble. But when you complain, let me ask you this. When you complain, does it do any good? No. When you complain about your looks, does it change how you look? When you complain about your job, does it change your job? When you complain about the weather, does it change the weather? You complain about your spouse, your children, any of these things, does it do anything? No, complaining is worthless. It is stewing without doing. It changes nothing. Colossians 2, 6-7 says this, though. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. This word overflowing is a derivative of that parisos, that Greek word we were talking about earlier. And it, it, when we have been brought back from rock bottom, when we've been brought back into the family, our lives overflow. They ought to overflow with gratitude. And that leads us to a full life. Next, when we look at life differently, we become less judgmental. When we've hit rock bottom, just like the sun had, it is hard to look on others who have hit rock bottom the same way, right? When we've hit rock bottom and been brought back from that and gracefully restored, man, we have a grace that we didn't have before. Jesus says, do not judge so that you will not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you measure, it will be measured to you. Like, for a million different reasons, we should never be judging people around us. You don't know them. You don't know what they've been through. You don't know how they were raised. You don't know uh, the, the chemical dependencies that they might have. You don't know if they've had an injury that's affected the way their brain has been wired. There are a million reasons why somebody could be doing something. I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, don't judge a man by where he is because you don't know how far he has come. Then another book, he says, we see only the results which a man's choices make out of his raw material, but God does not judge him on the raw material at all, but what he has done with it. Man, when we can stop looking at people through our own lenses, it changes everything. And this is, this is different than living with discernment, okay? You and I, we were called to a righteous life. We were called to a certain standard to live. And there's a reason for that standard. It's because it leads us to a better life that God has in store for us. 
But when we call others to that standard, we can do so lovingly without judging them at the same time. It's absolutely possible. It is absolutely possible to call people to righteousness while not judging them. Absolutely. And when you, when you can get over yourself, because here's the thing. Aren't you glad I'm not God? I bet you're glad that I'm not God, because if you were, we're probably all going somewhere bad. I'm glad you're not God, because you don't know me. There's so much going on up here that, that you just don't know. But when we can release judgment and we can just love people for who they are, man, that'll free you to love and live like crazy. So people have entered the party, they've woken to life, they, they look at life differently, but they also live life differently, don't they? You, have you noticed that, that people that have been woken to life, they prioritize things differently uh, than others do. There's a couple of things that they do. They spend time with God, they spend time with others, and they're generous. Spend time with God, spend time with others, and they're generous. These are things that, that previous, prior to coming to, to a new, fresh life, uh, you may have looked at as boring, powerless, pointless. But now, now they're not a duty anymore. Now they're a celebration, right? I, I don't know about you, but it's pretty difficult to have a relationship without spending time with someone, right? Have you ever tried to maintain your relationship with your spouse? by not talking to them? It doesn't really work, does it? Have you ever tried to, to maintain a relationship with, with your kids, with uh, those around you, by just not being with them? It doesn't work. And the same thing is true with God. If you want a relationship with God, you need proximity and you need frequency. You need to spend time with him. John, John 15, uh, Jesus compares this to uh, a grapevine. He says, I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. He's saying that when you're connected, when you're connected to me, you will have life. You'll see growth. But apart from me, there's nothing. And I hear what some of you are saying. Like, John, I, I pray. I pray. How come I don't feel this life that you're talking about? Well, let me, let me ask you this. When is the last time you spent more than two minutes talking at God and being with God? Like, seriously, you know the difference, right? So often we like to talk at God. Oh, God, be with this. God, do this. God, God, help, 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 help. When was the last time you just sat and said, God, here is your servant. Speak. And you were with him with the creator of the universe. Because here's the thing, you are a branch. You have no roots. When you are disconnected from the vine, you will die. There is no life. Jesus finishes this whole section, I love this. He says, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and you may be complete. That word complete is just another derivative of chrysos. We find joy and fulfillment in being connected to Jesus, both in our private devotions and in our public worship. And like, 
This is a whole six weeks class. Like, I could talk about this in a whole sermon series. There are so many ways for you to be connected to Jesus. But here's the thing. Each one of us is wired differently. So I, I'm not just going to tell you, do this, do this, do this. It, it doesn't work like that. You need to find out how you connect best to God. Almost every way finds its way back to Scripture. Sometimes you meditate on it. Sometimes you pray it. Sometimes you just soak in it. Uh, sometimes you speak the same verse over and over and over again a day. Silence and solitude, like just being with God. Like I do this every week where I have an hour on my schedule where I just go out and I be with God. And that is the most important time of my week. I am empty without that time. So whatever way it is, however you connect best, maybe it's education, you need to take a class. I don't care. But you need to be connected to the vine to experience the full life full and complete and lacking in nothing. Next, those who are woken to life, living differently, do life with other believers. I just preached a whole sermon on this. Uh, go back to January on our website if you want to listen to this. So I'm not going to beat a dead horse. But let me just tell you one story. We have a guy, Roy Nelson. He usually sits right here in second service. Right now, he's back worshiping with our, our kids, teaching them, being amazing. But he came to me and said, hey, where do you need me? I'm like, man, we need a group for men on Wednesday nights. Like our women are doing amazing things. We need something for men on Wednesday nights. I said, okay. This was late in the semester. Like it was about to start. I'm like, we're not gonna get enough guys. Here's the thing. The guys showed up. Started in a small room and went to a bigger room. And now they're meeting in the biggest room. They're gonna be in here probably next week. Sure, yeah. But here's the thing. I have had multiple guys Multiple guys come to me and say, man, I needed this group. Like there was a fire dying in me, and this group has reignited that passion for me. I needed this. It's just a quick, quick plug. If you are not in a community of other believers that are speaking life into you, you've got to join one. It is for you. People who are surrounded by other believers find life. They make you alive. Finally, what I observe about people that have woken to life or live differently, they're generous. They really are. Like, this is such an important topic. We're going to spend the next four weeks talking about this. This is our next sermon series, open-handed, living generously. I love this. I'm, I'm excited. And it's not exactly what you think. You so often think, oh, you're just going to talk about money, money, money. No, generosity is so much more than that. It's about giving of your time and your affection and your compliments and your energy and your actions and your life. We're going to talk about things like margin, like how you say no to some good things so you can say yes to some better things. We're going to talk about uh, how, how to, to be content. We're going to talk about greed and how greed will tie you down. Like these are, these are good things. I'm just going to leave you uh, with this verse, Proverbs 11, 24, 25. There is one who scatters and yet increases all the more. And there is another one that holds back what is rightly due yet results only in want. The soul that blesses will be enriched, and he who waters will himself be watered. I love this. The generous person will experience, here it says enriched, it's a Hebrew word call, um, but it's essentially the Greek equivalent of prisos. They will be full. They will experience the full life. And here's a spoiler. It's those that bless others that change the world and are most blessed themselves. So come back for that one. 
When we are truly awakened for a new life God offers at home, we, we see possibilities for our future, and we exclaim, now this, this is living. And we realize that living now is bigger than anything we ever imagined before, and is so much more and more meaningful than ever before. And once we come to that realization, we want it for others. That's my third point. We want it for others. Once we've experienced this full life, we can't help but want others to experience the same life that we've had, right? Like if you have the most amazing gift ever, you want everybody to have it, right? I'm going to go back to 2 Corinthians 5.17. This is where we started the sermon. I'm going to keep on reading. When anyone lives in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God. He brought us back to himself through Christ's death on the cross, and he has given us the task of bringing others back to him through Christ. God was bringing the world back to himself through Christ. He did not hold people's sins against them. And God has trusted us with the message that people may be brought back to him. So we, you and me, we are Christ's official messengers. It's as if God were making his appeal through us. And here was what Christ wants us to beg you to do. Come back to God. Come back to God. Another way of saying this is when we found our way back to God, our goal is to bring others back to God. To that full, abundant, joy-filled life that we've experienced. And that is my deepest desire for you. If you are in this room and you have never made that choice, never decided to follow Jesus, this, this is your moment. Come back to God. We've had this door sitting over here, this entire sermon series. This represents the open, unlocked, unlatched door that is just waiting for you to walk through into the room of grace. To join in the party, to join in the celebration. There is something so powerful about a symbol. That's why we have baptism, where you are buried to your sins and you're raised to new life. If you are in this room and you are ready, you're like, man, I've been listening to this and I'm ready. Here in a minute, I'm going to pray, I'm going to tell another story, and then we're going to party. And if you want to party with us, I want you to come and walk through this door. Because something cements that in your mind, and it's a moment that you will never forget. Maybe you are in this room, and you've been listening to his stories of coming back to God, and you're like, man, I have been reawoken in my life, and I want some way to symbolize it. I don't need to be baptized again but I need a way to remember it. I want you to come and walk through this door. I want you to symbolize your return to the Father. And for those of you in this room, you see somebody walk through that door, I want you to celebrate. Those three stories that we heard earlier, at the end of each one of them, Jesus said, there's more celebrating in heaven over one person that has returned than over 99 that had no need. So we're going to celebrate. And I want you to use this door to symbolize that. As a moment that you will never forget. Come back to God. So God, we, we come before you. And we just pray, if you are real, make yourself real to me. Awaken in me the confidence that I can have a brand new life. God, we pray that you show us who you truly are, who
who we are in you and the life that we can have because of you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. At some point, each of us comes to a fork in the road in our spiritual journey. We find two paths. One of them says trusting God. One of them says pleasing God. Trusting God. That sounds nice, right? That sounds too easy, too passive. Like if I'm going to do this Jesus thing, like really do it, like I got to get into it, right? Now pleasing God. That makes sense, right? After all God has done for me, that's the least I can do. So you find yourself to the room of good intentions. Oh, it is an impressive room filled with impressive people, passionate people. You're surprised to see that everybody in this room is wearing a mask, but they're beautiful and immaculate, just like the one that they hand you. Everyone in this room is, is doing okay. They're all working on their stuff. There's an unspoken message in this room. God loves you always, but he likes you a lot less when you mess up. And still you join this impressive room with these impressive people. And really, you're doing okay. You're coming up to standard on most days. You're reading your Bible. You're praying for others. You even read a couple chapters in that book everybody's talking about. Still, after a while, you realize nobody in this room really knows me. They, they know my mask, but they don't know that behind my mask, I'm struggling. I don't believe that for a moment of my life that I please God. Exhausted, faking, pretending like you have it all together. And one night you slip out the back door and find your way back to the path. Bone tired and dejected, you come to the crossroads. <sighs> Trusting God. Well, there's no other option. And you find your way to the room of grace. Oh, it is a far less impressive room, but it is infinitely more inviting. Oh, you are welcomed in to this loud conversation. There isn't a mask to be seen anywhere. The people in this room, oh, they're messy, but they're honest. They, they tell the truth about themselves, and, and they don't pretend like they have it all together. There, there's an unspoken message in this room, too. God loves you. He's wild about you, despite anything you've ever done. The people in this room actually seem to believe that God loves them and likes them all the time, even when they mess up. After a while in this room, you start to tell the truth about yourself. And you are shocked to find that God is sitting right there next to you in the midst of it, his arm around you. Loving you. He says to you, you know, I really am big enough for your stuff. All of it. 
It doesn't shock me. It doesn't surprise me. I am crazy about you, even on your worst days. I just want you to trust me, that you are who I say you are. And I want you to let others love you just the way you are. Because then you will be able to love like crazy, to really live because you will have been loved. It's time to celebrate, guys. It is time to party. It is time to enter into the room of grace. So if you are ready, I want you to make that choice. Don't let anything stop you. We're going to be up here. We'll pray with you if you want. You don't have to pray with us if you don't want. But it is time to celebrate. The Father has placed his cloak on your shoulders. He has put his ring on your finger. He has put sandals on your feet. He has butchered the fatted calf. And it is time to celebrate. Stand with me and worship. Thanks for listening to this message. You can keep up with what's happening at Northridge on your mobile device through our Northridge Christian app. If you have any questions about Northridge, you can contact us at info at northridge.online.